and welcome to the research podcast from Georgia State University, available wherever podcasts are found. In each episode, we highlight interesting and innovative research happening at Georgia State. We feature a different faculty member and a different topic each month so you can learn more about research taking place across the university. I'm Jennifer Rainey Marquez, your host and Associate Director of Research Communications at Georgia State. And my guest in this episode is Mary Helen O'Connor, Assistant Professor of English at Perimeter College and Director of the Center for Community Engagement. Dr. O'Connor teaches at Perimeter's campus in Clarkston, Georgia, a resettlement hub for refugees that's located about 20 minutes outside Atlanta, and she has spent years helping refugees in the classroom and in the community. Today, she's going to talk about the factors that can affect refugee health. So thanks so much for joining us, Dr. O'Connor. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start out by talking about how you became interested in the health of refugees and migrants. I guess I'd have to say that it started many, many years ago with the wide diversity of students I had in my English classes. And I became fascinated with understanding how I could be a better teacher and how students that were in my classes, often from more than 11 different countries, who were newly speaking English and newly arrived in the country, how I could do a better job of helping them get integrated and get the skills they need to be, to be better students. That turned into my dissertation research. Um, I was teaching at Perimeter at Georgia Perimeter College, and I was a graduate student here at Georgia State. So that was long before consolidation. And um, my interest began with my students. And then after I uh, completed my, my PhD downtown, there was the consolidation. And then the opportunity for my work as a faculty member became combined with my job in a more intentional way. And so with the resources at the Atlanta campus and all the very different uh, disciplines represented, I saw an opportunity for us to look at the community in Clarkston through um, a wide range of, of disciplines and lenses. And so I just began seeking interest among faculty in different departments and different schools downtown, and there was quite a lot. And we have a campus out in Clarkston, mm -hmm. so it made sense for us to be doing the work there. Um, and so let's talk about, so a lot of these issues that are um, very relevant in Clarkston with regards to the refugee community, they're not unique to Clarkston. These are issues that, you know, can be applicable in many places around the world, right? Well, I've, I've been saying this for a long time and beating the drum around the university that Georgia State is really positioned uniquely because the global migration crisis is among the top um, issues that we face as a global community. And we have the opportunity to have a very close look at a community impacted by global migration. So Clarkston is known as the most diverse square mile in America. We have a large number of students who are refugee students. Our campus is surrounded by a community full um, of newly arrived, as well as people who've been here, coming here for 20 years. And so if you look at that community through the lens of, of understanding that cities around the world are impacted by migration, then we have a unique opportunity in this community to understand the different 
um, issues that face populations around the world. Uh, you recently conducted a study in Clarkston's refugee community in collaboration with Georgia State's Adult Literacy Research Center. Can you explain how does literacy play a role in health? Well, I think what, what we began with is that the problems we've observed in Clarkston have, have not moved, have not changed. So the indicators of community health, whether it's educational attainment or literacy rates or birth weight of babies or different kinds of chronic health conditions, the indicators tell us that there are, are disparities in the community. And so we wanted to understand why are things not improving? And so the first step is, of course, collecting data. And the first thing you learn as a migration researcher in any sort of discipline, whether it's migration studies or public health or any, the first thing every article begins with is what little we know about <laughs> refugee research. So there's this huge gap in the literature and in the academic literature in almost every discipline that just says this is a huge problem that we know very little about. And I've wanted for years to find the funding and the resources to start collecting data so that it's not based off anecdotal evidence or, or stories that we know that are from people that we've had contact with. So um, Iris Feinberg partnered with me. I met her through uh, various kind of interactions on campus. And, she, and she's the head of the, the adult, adult literacy. She's the associate director of the Adult Literacy Research Center, and her focus is around health literacy. But we did a very broad-based study in Clarkston. Um, I think it was a survey of over 50 questions. And we did it in partnership with community partners with whom I have long-standing relationships um, in the community. And we interviewed, I, I think it was more than 100 refugee family members, as well as providers, so doctors who are, are working and frontline health workers who are working with refugees in the community. And we gathered a lot of information around a lot of different social determinants of health. And what we learned ultimately in a very kind of um, abbreviated one-liner is that language proficiency is really driving a lot of the disparity. So it keeps people from getting better jobs where they can get insurance. Um, there's some really strong correlation between limited English proficiency and health outcomes. Um, it, so English proficiency seems to be the hurdle that, that people are not able to overcome to get better jobs, to mm -hmm. get better benefits, to improve their health. Mm -hmm. and, um, and largely, that's, we learned a lot of other interesting, smaller details about um, what's going on in the community, but I think largely that was our big takeaway. And so now you have all this data that is so desperately needed in the research world. No, we just want more. Um, and so what are you going to be doing with this that, now that you've collected it? Well, um, so we have incredibly, after um, really campaigning for many years down here, lots of growth and interest among Georgia State faculty in many different areas. Um, to look at these problems and to kind of untangle them and address them. And one of the primary um, interactions or interventions that, that Iris and I have been working on is developing culturally and linguistically appropriate healthcare. And just this semester, we have lectured all the nursing students and health sciences students, both at Perimeter College and downtown, 
um, on culturally and, and linguistically relevant care and health literacy. And so um, we brought refugees students to the nursing classes and the nursing students and we've spoken to them about the difficulties that um, refugees face when they're accessing care or when they're being cared for. We've um, set up a research study where we're gathering information from the students who are doing field experiences in Clarkston in the refugee community. I don't have the data for that yet. <laughs> but um, so in many different ways, we are piloting different kinds of interventions. We know that, that culturally and linguistically relevant care is something that can help bridge some of these, these gaps in health disparities. And, and culturally relevant doesn't have to mean that the person that's delivering the care is of the same culture, right? Not at all. So it's more about being culturally curious. And so instead of being judgmental or um, dictatorial, it's taking some extra time, trying to understand what people have experienced before they come to you. You know, one, one thing that we talk about a lot is that many of the refugee patients treated in clinics in Clarkston have come from countries where they've never had to make an appointment to see a healthcare provider. They're used to just walking in and, and receiving care, whether it was in a refugee camp or in a country where maybe um, healthcare is subsidized by the government. And so instead of someone here being frustrated or judgmental because a refugee patient isn't showing up on time, then <laughs> they understand that they've come from a system that did not require them to do that. Not to mention that it's compounded by the fact that if they don't speak enough English to feel competent to make an appointment. So all of these compounding factors. And so for us, it's really about educating students um, who are getting ready to go into the health sciences about even the trauma that refugees experience before they come here. And you know, it's not just for refugee communities, it's for the immigrant um, population as well. And Atlanta has one of the fastest growing immigrant populations in the United States. So all of our health sciences and nursing students are going to see patients who come from different backgrounds. And so if you want to provide care that is effective, that people really listen to and can change or affect, we, we had some astronomically unbelievable number in the research study that 90% of the people we surveyed were not understanding what the providers were telling them when they wow. visited the clinic. That's, I'm sure, very frustrating for a provider to hear, but it's something that they need it's to listen to. It's frustrating for a patient, too. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> Terribly frustrating. So that, that's um, one of the things that we're working on. And then, you know, that feeds into something that we're going to talk about in a minute, which is the Prevention Research Center grant with the CDC. And largely that is going to be another development of an intervention that is culturally and linguistically appropriate for mm -hmm. the community. So let's talk about that in a little more detail. Okay. So this is a new research center that Georgia State launched earlier this fall that's focused specifically on the health of refugees and migrants, and it's very connected and will be very connected to the Clarkston community. So can you talk a little more about the center and the work that you're gonna be doing? Well, it's very exciting. I didn't know this um, until after the fact, but we are only, we are one of two newly funded prevention research centers in the entire network um, across the United States. So that's quite a prestigious um, designation. And, we're, and this is a network that is supported and sort of guided by the Centers for Disease Control. Yes. yes. 
And so there is not another PRC focused on this particular population as well. So a refugee, a center focused just on refugee health is um, is a very big deal. And it's really kind of a dream come true for me, of course. So what is unique about this particular kind of intervention is that the center of everything we do is, is guided by the community. So it's community-based participatory approaches and the way that it's designed, there is a research study which will be driven by the safe care program that is validated and has been going on at Georgia State for many, many years. Um, and then it is, the other half of that is, is determined by the community advisory board. And we have very intentionally put together and assembled a group of very trusted community members and community partners with whom we, we do a lot of work, we will be doing a lot of work, and um, are representative of the, the people who live in the community. So not the agencies who serve them and not the NGOs or anybody that's another layer on top of the community is actually the community members. So we have people from Somalia and from Burma and from Congo and from Afghanistan. We have the folks who actually will be served by the project guiding the project. And I also want to go back because I want to make sure people understand what safe care, which is the research project, is exactly. So can you explain what this program is and sort of what the the project will be in yes. whatever detail you can. <laughs> I know you're not running that portion of it, but. No, so that portion is led by Dan Whitaker and Shannon Self Brown, and they've been leading that for, for many years. And it's been um, a very successful um, parenting program for families with children zero to five. And it, the focus of the program is positive parenting. And it, they work to strengthen family relationships keeps the home safe and healthy for kids. And so what's interesting about this is that it's been validated and, and effectively used in communities throughout the United States and in other some other countries, but it's never been adapted to a refugee community. And so we will be adapting safe care to be implemented in many different kinds of cultures because we'll, we'll have representatives from many different ethnic groups that we'll be working with. And we will be relying on them to consult with us to adapt the curriculum of the program so that it can be effectively Im implemented in, um, in refugee families. We also know that refugee families experience a lot of stress pre-migration, if they've been exposed to civil war or human rights violations during migration. But what people tend to forget, and the research tells us, is that post-migration and resettlement can be among the most stressful times for refugees. And so after they come to a new community like Clarkston, and they have to get a job, and they have to support their families, and they have to deal with all of this, a family that's been through that much trauma is not necessarily focused on being a positive parent. And so we're hopefully going to help support families who are in need and experiencing a lot of trauma to help them um, support their, their small children. And I think that having the community advisory board guiding and giving us feedback and telling us how to be effective in our implementation. And um, we are actually hiring people from the community to do the work. So we will be, and some of them are going to be Georgia State students too, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. You said something to me when we were having a conversation earlier that I thought was interesting, which was 
usually when we're dealing with refugees, we're in crisis mode, and we rarely stop and take the time to look back and ask ourselves, was any of the interventions we provided actually effective? And it sounds like this is an opportunity to really do that for once. Well, if you think about the global migration crisis and actually the whole, the, there's a whole you know, research area of humanitarian aid and the ethic of aid and do we really help people or are we creating people who are just victims and more dependent on, a, on an aid system? We do not really take in the literature and in the research and as academics or anybody take a, a step back and, and there's, there are a lot of good reasons for that. For many years, um, we were accepting upwards of 100,000 refugees a year in the United States. We were the lead country in the world accepting and resettling refugees. And so for many years that I've been teaching, people needed clothes and furniture and food. I mean, it was really dire. So now, actually for the, the month of October, it's the first month since I've been teaching and working in Clarkston that we've not accepted one re refugee. So instead of looking at that as a, um, a negative, which it is, but we can take a step back and the families, the many thousands of people that are here, mm -hmm. we can take a step back and look and say, okay, what works well? What's not working? Where are the gaps? And how can we do a better job? So that sort of reflexive need to just take care of really urgent the immediate yes, needs right. has, has slowed down. And, um, and we're just going to take a positive look and approach to this and say, well, you know, we've been dealing with, with all of that for a long time. It's time to look at, you know, the chronic health conditions and the long-term disparities that are driving kind of the, um, the success. We, we know that the children of, of refugees and immigrants really do well. There was a new article in the New York Times recently that children of immigrants outperform native born children in almost every socioeconomic category. It was really astounding data. Um, but what we need to know is, and I think what we're kind of focusing on, how do we help the whole family and how do we help the parents and how do we help everybody who's here um, do, take, do a better job of taking care of themselves? Mm -hmm. um. Can you talk about how some different departments or faculty members at Georgia State might become involved? Because even though the Prevention Research Center is based in Clarkston, it sounds like its work could involve lots of different people across Georgia State. Well, there already are. <laughs> so um, we have nursing students who are doing field experiences in the safety net clinics in Clarkston this semester, which was very exciting to get started. They're going to be reporting back to us those experiences soon. Um, I just got an email this week from a, a nursing faculty member who had a student talk about how powerful it was to have effectively use, utilized an interpreter when they were delivering news to a patient and how excited they were. that, And they had taken this away from our presentation. Right. Um, we've been recruiting GSU students to participate in the implementation of the grant, and that will be a long term. We're looking, they're going to be hired as consultants and family health workers. But we have faculty and graduate students from many different programs, including and this is not everybody, but applied linguistics, psychology, social work, public health, film. Um, and they have partnered with Perimeter and with the Center for Community Engagement um, and with our students, faculty, and the community members in Clarkson on a wide variety of projects. We have community-based English courses that are being developed, um, field experiences for many students 
practicums for graduate students, and we even have a film collective that's premiering some GSU student work in Clarkston at the Clarkston Community Center on the evening of December 13th. So I had to get that Mark plug in. <laughs> um, and so, and the other thing, and this is a you know this is a personal, a personal professional dream of mine that that. Georgia State as a university would take advantage of the fact that we had a campus and a resettlement community and, and, and faculty members would become interested in, in doing the work of understanding this global, this global problem. And I'm really proud that, that we're doing this kind of work. And so um, I, you know, another thing that I've started is an informal um, meeting of graduate students and faculty members who are doing research in the refugee community because there are folks but we have not been communicating with each other and working together I remember when I was a PhD student here I was the you know lone solo <laughs> refugee <laughs> researcher and I think that um, my faculty members on my dissertation committee who are still here, Michael Harker, Lene Gaye, and Elizabeth Lopez, probably thought I was a little crazy, but now they're very proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, this has been the research podcast from Georgia State University featuring Mary Helen O'Connor, assistant professor of English at Perimeter College and the director of the Center for Community Engagement. For more conversations about research taking place across Georgia State, look for the research podcasts wherever podcasts are found. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Thank you.